Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I'm one of the preachers here at GFC. And when I was eight or nine years old, uh, I was on a missions trip with my parents to Mexico. While I was there, I was absolutely fascinated by the random wild chickens that were just running everywhere unrestrained. And so I decided that my goal over the time that I was there was going to be to catch one of these wild chickens. So I did what any self-respecting nine-year-old would do. I built a trap. And I knew that for my trap, I had to find bait. And so I looked around at what these wild chickens could possibly eat, and I saw nothing except for cactus. Lots of cactus. You probably know where this is going. Needless to say, I caught no chickens, but I did catch several cacti with my hands, mostly. Now, the chickens were not at all interested in this bait that I thought would be tempting to them. And I alone experienced the consequences of my poorly thought out trap. So my hope this morning as we read Proverbs 5, which is on page 497, if you took one of the Bibles from the lobby, is that we would recognize sexual immorality for what it really is. It is a cactus, friends. In the words of a wise admiral a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it's a trap! Thank you. I've been practicing that in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> I hope that you will see and come like these chickens to find no temptation in the dangerous, painful, and in fact deadly trap of sexual immorality. The main point is this, friends. Sexual immorality is a trap that costs everything. Today's poem from Proverbs is structured like this. We will find out the trap in verses 1 through 6. We will learn of the cost in verses 7 through 14. And lastly, we will hear of the alternative in verses 15 through 23. That's where we're going this morning. Read with me Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 6. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander And she does not know it. Friends, sexual immorality is a trap. In verse 2, King Solomon begins to instruct his son in in what exactly it looks like to keep and guard wisdom. That was the theme from chapter 4. And so where does he begin with this instruction? He begins appropriately... 
in what is arguably his own biggest area of struggle, sexual immorality. The forbidden woman was Solomon's greatest struggle, and it's certainly not his alone. But it also serves in this poem to represent the many forms that the trap of sexual immorality can take. These verses do not apply only to those who are tempted by a forbidden woman, but also forbidden men, and any of the numerous ways that you or I may stumble, or let's be honest, often run into this trap. Just as wisdom was personified in Proverbs as this woman who was crying out in the street, and all who were greedy for unjust gain are portrayed as this picture of a violent street gang, so are all of these temptations of sexual immorality in these verses represented here in the forbidden woman. Because Solomon knows firsthand about the temptations of this sin. He knows the honey drip and the smooth speech of verse 3 that are the bait in this trap. But friends, he also knows that it is a lie. Because Solomon is the poster child for the failure of sexual immorality to satisfy. We learn in 1 Kings that wife after wife and concubine after concubine did not satisfy him and merely led him deeper and deeper into his sin. The end, he says in verses 4 and 5, is only bitterness instead of the promised sweetness. And a sharp sword instead of the promised smoothness. It is not life-giving, friends, but death-dealing. Whatever the bait of sexual immorality may be in your life, it ends only in death. And according to verse 6, the more firmly caught you become in this trap, the less you are even capable of recognizing it. Why? Because it feels so right. It feels like you are following a straight path. How can it be wrong if it feels so good? Everything about our selfish natures, friends, agrees with the promise of fulfillment and personal gratification that is the bait in this trap. Which is why, friends, following your heart is like following a compass that changes directions randomly. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. I am notoriously incompetent when it comes to directions. So I depend completely on my GPS. But have you ever entered the wrong address in the GPS and then followed it somewhere other than where you actually wanted to go? I see smiles. I've done this too. I've done this. Without knowing where you are going, you wander, making turn after turn, each one governed by the GPS, and each one seeming right to you, but not realizing that it's pointed 
in an entirely different direction. Until you end up at the destination where you were always headed, but not the one where you wanted to go. That's why, friends, we must keep and guard wisdom. Because sexual immorality leads to death, not to life. Sexual immorality is a trap. So being warned, how do we avoid this trap? Let's continue the poem and find out. Read with me verses 7 through 14. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to their instructions. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. How do you avoid the trap of sexual immorality, friends? Verse 8 is so practical. Keep far from her. Do not even go near the door. Close your eyes. Stop up your ears and run the other way. Now before we go on, let's pause here for some application. What does it look like to keep far away from sexual immorality? Don't take your phone into places where you're alone. Don't use your imagination to construct sexual fantasies that you would never really act on. Don't let your gaze linger on the provocative dress of men or women around you. Establish regular accountability with a mentor who you respect. And confess even the small things that your mind and your heart conjure for you. I especially want to caution the youth who are here this morning. Because like Solomon, I've been there. Sexual satisfaction is not a competition to see how close to the edge you can come without falling over some imaginary line. Stay far away. A trap works because the bait is attractive. But it fails if the prey simply stays away. And the danger, as we learned earlier, is that it becomes harder and harder to recognize where you really are. And that you are trapped once you have become so. So let's keep going and look at the things in this poem that you are forfeiting. In verse 9, you forfeit your honor 
and your years. And in verse 10, you forfeit your strength and the reward for your labor. The image here is of a young person with their life full of hope and energy and a future. But instead of enjoying that future, they are taken into slavery by a foreign nation. That's the image that is here. And for an Israelite who would be reading this text, this was not merely a metaphor. This was a very real part of their history of that nation. Enslaved to Egypt. Generations lost to the merciless master. Strength spent by their uncaring masters. Forced into labor, providing profit for their enemies. Friends, the trap of sexual immorality is like a return to slavery in Egypt. So please, stay far away. Who in their right mind would forfeit the freedom and the identity of being a people of God for the slavery of Egypt? Well, in Exodus 14, when the Israelites felt caught by the trap of the Red Sea, in their fear, they said to Moses, Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. Friends, this is the trap of sexual immorality. We become so trapped that we believe it is better to serve the slave master of ourselves than to cry to the Lord for salvation. Until the end of our life, when it's too late, and we groan with regrets. Verse 12 harkens back to Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Why? For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Friends, by rejecting this wisdom this morning and flirting in whatever manner it looks like for you, with sexual immorality, you are showing the proof that you despise reproof and will end only in utter ruin. Because sexual immorality is a trap and it costs everything. You will die in slavery to the most wicked master, yourself. But friends, there is a better master. There is a better master. Jesus Christ. He's not a merciless master, but he is the God of mercy himself. 
He's not one who takes your strength, but one who renews your strength and who lifts you up on wings like eagles. Not a master who benefits from your labors, but one who labors on your behalf before the throne of God. Friends, Jesus Christ is such a better master than yourself. One who calls you not servant, but child of the Most High God. Friends, Jesus Christ is the Savior who can deliver you from slavery, from the trap of sin. That's the sin of sexual immorality and every other sin that you have ever committed or that you will ever commit. Friends, Jesus made a way for us to see and escape the trap. How did he do this? Not how I would have. Not by lowering the standard and by moving the line farther away. How did he do it? He raised the standard of righteousness. When the people of Israel escaped from slavery in Egypt, God gave them his law by which to follow him, which included the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Praise the Lord for his law. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27 through 28, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Look at what Jesus does. He raises the standard of sexual purity higher than any other. And then he paid the price to give us the power through his spirit to not only not commit adultery, but to purify and sanctify even our thoughts, friends. What a God is Jesus. His Spirit allows us to walk more wisely before the Lord by staying even farther away from sexual immorality than we ever had before. Friends, Jesus offers an alternative. Not one of slavery to self, but of blessing before God. And so likewise in this poem, we see the alternative to the life of sexual immorality that becomes possible. What if we welcome the Lord's discipline? What if we receive and take to heart his reproof, the reproof of our Lord, our Father God, who loves us? Friends, then we are not simply freed from slavery, but we are blessed with living water. Read with me these last verses of Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. Drink water from your own cistern, 
flowing water from your own well? Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Friends, if sexual immorality is a trap that costs everything, then what is the alternative? What does God offer in place of self-slavery and sexual immorality? Friends, Jesus delivers what the trap never can. Jesus delivers life and joy and fulfillment. Verses 15 through 18 Use the metaphor of water, cisterns, wells, fountains. Once again, for the people living in the climate of the Middle East, water was life. A people, a nation survived by controlling and protecting their water. And if a foreign nation meant to carry off those people into slavery, as we just discussed, how could they do that easily? By destroying the wells that were there in that nation. Breaking the springs to let the water run uselessly in the streets that were once inhabited. Friends, maybe this morning this feels like you. Do you feel like your hope for life, for water, has been smashed already? Maybe by your own choices, falling for the trap of sexual immorality. Maybe not by your choices, but by an invading army. Friends, do you feel like the water of your life has run out uselessly in the street, bringing life to no one? Friends, if this is you, I have two encouragements from God for you this morning. The first is for those of you who have already fallen into this trap of sexual immorality. Maybe you've been a slave to it for years or decades. God's word to you this morning from Proverbs is that you can move away from yourself and toward the Lord today. He has given you the power of his spirit. No matter what choices you have made in the past, guarding wisdom means that the next choice, the very next one that you make, can break 
years or decades of habits that you have built up. So be encouraged, friends, if that's you. The second encouragement from the Lord this morning is that Jesus once again raises the standard in John 4, 13 and 14. In this story, he encounters a very non-metaphorical, adulterous woman who is drawing water from a well. And here is what he says. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Friends, Jesus Christ offers the water of life from a spring that can never be broken. So if you are broken here this morning, rejoice. Because if you ask, Jesus will give you a life beyond anything you can imagine. This encounter with Jesus changed this woman's life forever. She was never the same again. She went from there with a new identity. She recognized Jesus the Christ. And she testified in the city. And through her testimony, many believed and came to find life in Jesus. Friends, this is the life that Jesus wants to do for you. This is what he wants to give you, friends. Satisfaction and life that flows on and on and on. The alternative to the trap of sexual immorality is life in Jesus. Let's continue in Proverbs 5, 19 through 21. The poet changes his imagery here. He changes the metaphor to that of marital intimacy. He asks this hypothetical question. Why should you seek satisfaction outside of what has already been given as a perfect gift? Friends, this applies both to the married and the unmarried here this morning. In the family of God, those of us who are married, or sorry, <laughs> both to the married and the unmarried here this morning in the family of God. Those of us who are married, for us, sexual intimacy is a gift from God that brings joy and something to run toward as we run away from sexual immorality. But those of you who are here who are not married, God has given you something to run toward as well. Even as good as marital intimacy is, it is a picture of the intimacy that God provides for all who follow Him in Christ. like this I've already married the best woman that there is and you know what I'm not sorry about that 
This, this will probably embarrass my wife. But she is truly the best. There is none like her. She takes every one of the things that I hoped for in a spouse when I was single and she blows those out of the water. I am convinced there is no other woman as funny as she is, as gifted as she is, as loving and caring of me and our children as she is. She's diligent, enduring, patient. She is beautiful. She even smells amazing. (laughs) When we got married, I sang a song at the reception by the Proclaimers called 500 Miles. The chorus says, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be with the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door. <laughs> da 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 da, yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's true, friends. I would walk a thousand miles to be with her. But do you know what God did that's even better? I don't have to. I don't have to walk at all to be with her. God has given us to each other. And so now, praise the Lord, I don't even have to get out of bed, let alone walk a thousand miles. (laughs) I would be an idiot to throw away a gift which God has already given to me for the trap of sexual immorality. And friends, that helps me when I struggle with this sin. And I do. God help me, I do. But why, why should I be intoxicated with a forbidden woman? It gains me nothing. Let me be intoxicated with her. And friends, Here's the good news for all of you who aren't married to the best woman. (laughs) I'm still not saying sorry. Although you can never have the best woman, there is a marriage that is even better than mine to her. Revelation 19.7 says... Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Do you see, friends, Jesus is the bridegroom and you, as part of his church, are his bride. As amazing as my wife is, she is still only a woman, and I am only a man. We both sin, we both fail, we both love each other more poorly than we should. But friends, Jesus never does. He is the perfect bridegroom. His is the perfect marriage. The alternative to the trap of sexual immorality is the joy 
that Jesus has already given in himself. And Jesus has gone far more than a thousand miles to be with you. He's gone the distance from heaven to earth. Why has he done that? Because he loves you. He loves you more than anyone ever could. He will never fail you. He will cherish you perfectly, more closely than anyone else ever could. And friends, Jesus wants to wake up with you every morning. He doesn't even want you to have to get out of bed. He wants you to be with him always. This looks like sharing your hopes and your dreams with him. This looks like crying with him when you are sad and laughing with him when you're happy. And that's not a metaphor. Do it. Laugh with Jesus. He's with you. This looks like asking him hard questions and having difficult conversations when you don't understand him. This looks like giving up what you thought you wanted for something so much better. Friends, sexual immorality is a trap that costs everything and it gives you nothing. You already have everything. So in conclusion, let's apply all of this. First, recognize the trap. Friends, satisfaction is not found in obeying your own desires. Whether that's a particular sexual expression or a choice of a partner or the timing of sexual intimacy. In all of these cases, your heart will lead you astray. And it will not satisfy you. Only enslave you further. Then second, count the cost. Indulging sexual immorality, friends, costs you everything. It destroys your relationships with people. It destroys your relationship with God. It costs you your life and your strength and the joy that are blessings to you from God. You forfeit wisdom as you become more enslaved to your own selfish desire. And so finally, friends, embrace the alternative. Because Christ is far, far, far better. So put that energy into loving how he loves. Serving those that he serves. Testifying to the love of God. Tell people how much he loves them that he would die for them. Take joy In the gifts that he has already given you. If that's a spouse. Wonderful. Be intoxicated with them. 
If it's your passions and your interests that God has given you, the creativity that he has blessed you with, then revel in them. Revel in the love of Jesus and how he shows that to you. And most of all, friends, embrace Jesus Christ himself. Your spouse. He gave himself that we could have God a better master. So run to him, friends. Run to him with all of your heart and your mind and your soul. Let's pray. Father God, I confess before you now, Lord, my failure to do this. Lord, I pray that you would rescue me from myself. God, free me. Free me, Father God. God, thank you for the gifts that you have given me. Thank you, Father God, for the gift of my wife. Thank you, God, for my family, this church, God, the brothers and sisters of Christ, Lord, who I love so dearly. God, thank you for them. God, may you speak your words into the hearts of those who do not know you yet, Father God. Communicate to them how desperately you love them, Father. God, give them a vision of what the future could be with you, God. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son. You were willing to go to such lengths to be with us that you would send your son to this world in the body of a baby to become weak and vulnerable. God, you are so good to us. And we love you, Jesus. We love you.